0: You are listening to the Hodges Huddle, where we discuss all things happening in the wide world of sports. Here is your KLSU sports
1: team. In to the Hodges Huddle. I'm your host today, Patricia Caputo. Joining me is Jaden Smith, Nathan Messina, and our special guest here, the former sports director here at KLSU, Tyler Viso. How are you all doing today? Doing pretty well. Yeah,
0: I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm good. Patricia, it's great you guys to have me on. It seems like fun and I'm glad to be on the other end of the mic and I don't have to host anymore, honestly.
1: Getting away with some stuff we should have made him host today, but I will I guess I'll host for the day as it is fundraiser week. This week, KLSU is celebrating its 40th anniversary. We have a fundraiser. This is our 15th annual fundraiser. So please be sure to donate, especially during our show from Sunday to 2 to 3 p.m. This way we are trying to get some new equipment so we can broadcast some more live baseball games that we were able to do just a few weeks ago. The equipment is quite expensive, if we're being honest, so it would be very helpful, and we'd appreciate your donations. And especially, we're in a little competition here between the news reporters. And so if you donate during our show Sunday 2 to 3, we have a chance to beat them and maybe get some bragging rights with that. But anyway, let's jump right into the show. Let's start off talking about LSU baseball as they defeated Butler 11 to nothing in seven innings. First, let's start off about pitcher Thatcher Hurd. Now, Andre Champagne, just a few weeks ago, did not feel Pat Thatcher hurt. He said, "No way, hurt is not good. Like he's struggling. He's he's already competed at he the UCLA him. level. Quit on him that fast. Exactly what Nathan said. Like he was like, yeah, hurt is not that guy. But then he showed that he can be that guy. He pitched six innings. He only allowed three hits and had eleven strikeouts." What could you say about Patrick Hurd, Nathan? Just can he be this midweek starter and possibly someday maybe be a weekend starter?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think he needs to be in the weekend rotation by the time we start SEC play. Um, Like you said, with 11 strikeouts and only three hits, that was in six innings pitched, which, I mean, that's pretty solid pitching right there. You need a guy like that um, when you start playing these nasty uh, SEC teams. And that slider he's got is nuts. I mean, he's just striking people out left and right with that. Um, he looks really good.
3: Yeah, I agree. Uh, even for somebody that recently just started following baseball, I looked at that stat line, and, you know, that kind of blew me away because I just realized, like, oh, man, this is crazy. I mean, 11 strikeouts in six innings is that's kind of ridiculous, I mean, to say the least. So, yeah, I think he should be in the lineup from here on
0: Yeah, I I completely agree with both of you. I think one thing about Thatcher Hurd was when he was recruited out of UCLA because he was a transfer, he came in and you didn't really know what you were getting out of him. UCLA, the Pac-12, and the SEC are completely different, and you're getting two completely different kind of phases of the game. And you couldn't force that guy into anything, and he just come off an injury. And you finally saw him at Texas, and he played phenomenal. They went into a pitcher's duel, and LSU came out a winner. And then he back-to-back performances comes out. He strikes out the side, back-to-back innings, only allows three hits. That guy's going to keep you in so many games just because of his ability to extend innings. And I don't know how much you guys remember about last year's season, but LSU's Achilles heel at all times was we couldn't get starting pitchers to go further than five innings, and it crushed us every game. So now having a three-guy rotation, even really four, with Chase Shore starting to get better is going to really make the difference with this team.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there on that one, and Thatcher Heard, I had worked the Southern game, which I believe that was his first start of the season, and that's when Andre was like, this guy's good, he's coming from UCLA, and I said, I think it's just jitters, Andre, seriously, yeah. exactly like you said, Tyler, you really nailed that one, that you're going to a different conference, you're in a different area, there's a different crowd, that Tuesday game against Southern was still a good outing, so I mean, you're, the nerves are even upped because you have a good crowd out there, and... Thatcher Hurd just needed some time to settle in, and that's exactly what he seems to be doing, and it's great because, again, what Tyler said, that this was a struggle last year for this team. It was, okay, you can win a Friday game. Hopefully you can get through a midweek game, and then Saturday and Sunday good luck uh, on the mound. And then also what seems to be getting better for this team is the offensive production that – early in the season, early in the game, that the team could not get anything started. The bats were not connecting to the balls. But it seems that all of that has changed, especially since playing Butler. You would guys like Paxton Kling hit a home run. Dylan Cruz, of course, you get the home run from, and a three RBI day. What do you think that's changed, Nathan, in the past few games?
2: I think the biggest thing is just level of competition. I mean, let's be real. We went from playing solid teams in, in the Round Rock, and now and then we played Texas, Texas, um, The last couple games we played Butler and Central Connecticut State who aren't exactly top-tier programs. So I think that's the biggest thing that's leading to getting seeing more hits early. But I think that is going to lead to higher confidence. I think guys are going to start hitting better because of that. Um, So I think due to, like, even though it is just a low-level competition, it will lead to higher and higher production.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think uh, the level of competition has allowed a lot of these guys to find their rhythm and, you know, find their groove. And again, you know, it increases their confidence, you know, from here on out.
0: Yeah, I the thing about this team right now is they're not playing anybody great, but you're not supposed to play anybody great because you need to figure out how your team gels. Right. You look at this team right now and they're so stacked and we're throwing people in the lineup like Paxton Kling, who's a freshman, and Gavin Dugas at the start of the season didn't really play much, you're figuring out who's good. I mean, the best example I can give right now is Cade Beloso. So I went to the game the other night when they played Butler. I looked up at the sheet. He was batting 7-14 because he hasn't (laughs) been playing much, but he's hitting the cover off the ball. And when it comes down to the nitty-gritty when we're into regionals and super regionals, and you have bats that you haven't really been playing, is going to elevate your team to a whole different level. And it's going to make this team so much better. And the longevity of, okay, we haven't been able to make runs, but we know we got guys that can hit at any point in this game. We can pinch hit, and they can go get you something good.
1: Yep. If you're moving on, if you're talking about They've had a long schedule, you can say. They played four games Friday through Monday, and then they went on to play Lamar Wednesday. They were all at home, so that was helpful, but they did end up defeating Lamar. Lamar coming into the game was 10-2 and on the season. They fall 10-3 after LSU defeated them 9-2. to And the biggest issue for this team, one of the biggest issues, you could say, last season was also the fielding. It's just something that the errors lost games for this team a whole lot, and it seemed that they have cleaned that up tremendously this season. And this is what Jay Johnson had to say about the fielding and the defense that the Tigers played during this game against Lamar.
4: I thought we played outstanding defense tonight. We um, knew coming in there was going to be a lot of activity in terms of balls on the ground, and I think Jordan and, and Ben in particular were exceptional. You know, We kind of prepared on that Uh, they were going to see a lot of activity and action. That's how it played out. and I mean, those plays were not easy that they made all night long, so I thought that was great. Um, At-bats-wise, I thought the first inning was phenomenal. I mean, I think Gavin and Trey hit two balls as hard as you can hit, and to be two outs, nobody on, and then they walked in great at-bat by Tommy, and Long game, so I don't remember exactly what happened, but I think we went like eight straight quality at-bats right there. Jordan Thompson. Sorry, Jonah.
1: <laughs> okay. You heard what Jay Johnson had to say about guys like Jordan Thompson and the way that they were able to play defense and connect on plays to get some outs, but also Christian Little, who pitched in that game against Lamar. It was his first start of the season. He did only pitch four in- innings, but he just allowed four hits and one run and threw sh- three strikeouts. Again, similar to Thatcher Hurd, but Christian Little, maybe it wasn't as expected as Thatcher Hurd. You knew he was going to eventually get into the mix and get comfortable, but Christian Little has really came out here. And eventually, do you th- see him possibly once again being a guy that can get into this weekend rotation and even a guy that you could be confident to start in a midweek game? Uh, Jaden?
3: Um, I don't know about that. Just just looking at what Thatcher Hurd has done, you know that would be a pretty hefty task. But I do think he'll work his way farther up into the rotation. Uh, He did a pretty good job with the reps that he was given. So, yeah, I think he'll get more playing time for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, come SEC play, I think the weekend rotation is going to be Skeens on Friday, obviously. And then I think you're going to have a mix of Hurd and Ty Floyd in there. I think that's going to be the main uh, weekend rotation. But, I mean, as a midweek starter, yeah, that's the guy I want on the mound. Um, In this game, he had .77 ERA allowed only four hits in the four innings he pitched. He's the guy I want on the mound. Oh, yeah. Before
0: this game against Lamar, I didn't really know what Christian Little's role on the team was going to be. He he had come in as a closer a bunch of times, and he looked really good, and he looked dominant. And I didn't know how far he could be stretched. Mm -hmm. And the start against Lamar really showed that He could be a midweek starter. He could be a really pivotal role player in the bullpen. Or if worse comes to worse, he can really be a lockdown closer. The guy's got all the stuff, the making of a great pitcher. I don't know how much eligibility he has, but if he's got a couple years, I think with Wes Wes Johnson, they're going to be able to really make that guy a dominant pitcher. He's got all the makings of just being dominant.
1: Now, Tyler, you said this a lot last year. So I'm going to ask you again, because of what you just said, do midweek games matter to you? (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah. Okay. So y'all said this on the podcast not that long ago, and I thought it was really funny. I don't think midweek games matter, but in the case of this year, I think they're super important in the sense that you got to get guys like freshmen extra minutes, and with the transfer portal now, you have to keep guys happy. There was a long time where I believed it and now because we're so good, I think they matter only because we start winning them more. So i like to make that <laughs> clarification. Just make fun of me all you want. I didn't think they mattered, but now that we're talking about it, if we're so good and we're going to win them all, then, yeah, of course they matter.
2: They matter when you win, and when, when you lose them, they don't matter. Well,
1: I see a lot of shirts that say, like, midweek games do matter. They don't. And we even asked O'Neal Burgos that when we went to Southern, and he was like, you know, you're just trying to get better every single day, and now that question just lives <laughs> rent-free in my head. Thanks to Tyler Viso. <laughs> Moving on, just to update you on Kristen Little he does have two seasons of eligibility here so we'll have one more left after this season but let's talk a little bit about Tommy White now Jay Johnson had great things to say about the offense at LSU how they played against Lamar once again trying to get that offense production working something else that they did against Lamar just like they did against Butler and this is what Jay Johnson had to say about that
4: I'll probably just stick into plan I mean you know we scout a lot and I watch a lot of games and you know Young players, the game's hard, and so they can let it get a, a pitcher and a bat get away from them really quickly, and it just feels like this relentless thought that we're not going to do that no matter what is going on. I mean, that's two bullets, and it's two outs, nobody on. And uh, our guys are in the right frame of mind to give those guys a fist bump and say, hey, great job, you're executing what we're trying to do and not be worried about, hey, we have two outs, nobody on. Um, you know kind of playing against a different standard than winning type thing and so uh, it's maturity and again it's going to get tougher for sure and um, right now I trust them to to stay with that if we just stay in character um, we're going to have a good chance in every game that we play
1: Let's zone in on Tommy White. That was someone who hit 27 home runs at North Carolina We're State nuts. last season, something that you could think is unthinkable as a freshman, and he did just that. And then he came here to LSU and was quiet for a little bit. In Wednesday's game against Lamar, Tommy White had a double home run and four RBIs in that game. Tyler, let's start with you this time. How is he, have you seen Tommy White coming into his own in these last few games?
0: You gotta, you gotta keep in mind he was a freshman last year, and he coming to a new school where baseball is so much more valued. I thought maybe at first he was a little nervous, and now he's starting to really come into his own. I mean, the first he got on base in the first inning of the first game, and he dislocated his shoulder, which just was crazy to me. But once that happened, I was really nervous about him, and then kind of got into a slump. But with Jay Johnson being such a good coach, and he's a really good hitting coach to his people, and everybody said that throughout his career, that he's a great hitting coach, he's always going to be able to get the best out of people. And I think Tommy White's such a pure hitter, because you don't see him playing in the field that much. He's pretty much going to be a DH. And I think he's just so good that he's just going to continue to get better and better and better as time goes on.
3: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Like you said, this guy hit. 27 home runs as a freaking freshman, so <laughs> I feel like it was just only a matter of time before he started to come out of his shell. Anyway, and again, level of competition could have something to do with that. But once their player your player finds its rhythm, I mean, that's just what it is, and that's where you go from there on out.
2: Yeah, I mean, same thing as you guys, pretty much. It's just he's coming into a brand new system where, like Tyler said, it's just baseball is so much bigger here than it was in NC State, and I mean for any of these guys it's still so early in the season for so many of these guys that are coming in that are new it's going to take a minute give them a couple games to settle in you know I mean that that first weekend he was a little quiet like you said Patricia and it's very very typical of LSU fans to freak out right away (laughs) I mean that was classic but now he's going yard every other bat and now everybody's praising him
1: I always say that. That's why I say that this football season was so peaceful because there were zero expectations. Yeah. That I was like, okay, this team's not going to do anything. And then all of a sudden they were amazing and everyone was like, this is crazy. like This is great. Where And then every other sport, it's like, that, oh, there's these high expectations. And we'll talk about high expectations in just a moment when we get to men's basketball. I just wanted to give you an update on LSU baseball that Samford will face LSU in the Alex box. Their first game will start on Friday at 6.30 p.m. Now let's talk about men's basketball. LSU specifically in that SEC tournament. I don't... <laughs> Sorry, Nathan,
2: rolling Nathan's rolling room. his
1: eyes at me. Jaden's about to walk out. He's like, I don't want to talk about this team. <laughs> okay, well, we got to. Georgia, that was an exciting game. Let's talk yeah. about that game first, all right? LSU defeats number 11 Georgia 72-69 to 69 in the SEC tournament. Let's talk about the fight in this team. Quite frankly, no one expected this team to win. They were number 14, and, I mean, Andre made a joke to me and Nathan, like they should be, like, the number 15 seed. I mean, they shouldn't even be in this right now. It is what it is. But (laughs) then they went out there, and they went on to defeat Georgia. And it was a quite impressive game. K.J. Williams scores 18. Trey Hannibal has 14. And then even a guy like Sean Phillips, who came in, we'll talk about him in a moment, 13 points in the game. Did the fight look different in this team, Jaden? Something that we may have not seen all season?
3: Yeah, I remember on the show last Sunday, you asked us what do we expect to see? And I said, well, I expected to see them, you know, fight. You know, they don't really have much to be fighting for at this point, but, you know, just want to see them not give up on the season. So I was very pleased to see them fighting, and I like the energy that Sean Phillips brought from the bench, especially considering Derek Fountain's absence. So I was definitely pleased to see that.
2: Yeah, I mean – I haven't seen them play like that since the Arkansas game, the very first Arkansas game when we opened up SEC play. That was the only time this season where they looked like they did against Georgia. They showed fight. They exceeded expectations. I don't know what Matt McMahon told them going into this game, but clearly it worked. Um, and you hope to see more of that. But. I, I personally,
0: I love the effort that the team gave. They did it all season. I'll be honest with you. I really, I for some oddball reason, I kind of sat there for a second and I kind of just laughed to myself I said, "Why can't they make a run? Just why not?" <laughs> and I was, me and all my friends were kind of talking about. It. I said, "Why not? Let's just see what happens." You played Vanderbilt, a team you were you had already beaten, yeah, and then you were going to play Kentucky. You played them close, and after that, you got momentum. So I talked myself into it, and I don't know why. Because then I got mad at the Vanderbilt game, of course. Again, so typical LSU fan to oh, yeah. just But the one thing, my one comment about the game against Georgia was. I was watching the game, and the broadcaster said it blatant as day, LSU has to open up a lead in the first half because they're going to blow the lead in the second half, yeah. which hurts my soul in every every <laughs> level of it because I can't believe that they can't keep a lead at all these times. <laughs> and, of course, it happened, and then all of a sudden we're, we're down, and the effort, it was Matt McMahon, if you could say one thing about him this year, his team never quit. They lost a lot of games, but they they really did never quit, and I, I give them credit for that.
1: Yeah, it's difficult for sure when you're losing all those games, especially like Matt McMahon had mentioned it in the press conference that he just didn't feel that the team had gotten to their goal. That it seemed that in that press conference he was in his head at least it looked like he was trying to aim for 15 games. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what he had said, not not saying it blatantly, but said enough. And he said like, we just didn't get to our goal. We right. didn't get to be that round team. Like he said, I don't feel like I set a concrete foundation for next season. That was after that Vanderbilt loss. That Georgia loss was a little different, a little happier. I think Matt McMahon was thinking we can make a run, too, just like Tyler said. Let's talk about some of the positives. And like I had mentioned, Sean Phillips had 13 points, 10 rebounds. Now, Derek Fountain couldn't play, so that's why Sean Phillips got his minutes. But he had only played just a few minutes this entire season for this team and then really showed out. And that's quite impressive when you see someone to step up in that big of a moment. So, Jaden, what did you see from him and where do you think that that fight came from?
3: Uh, I think it was just a matter of him getting his opportunity. Uh, I remember seeing him play more so in the, the last Bama game we played, but I think that's just that was just to match up with Bama's size. But I feel like he should have been getting more minutes the entire season. I mean, he's the only seven-footer we have. And I feel like he has the potential to be a really great defender. So, again, I think it was more so just opportunity and he made the most of it.
1: Yeah, for sure. And he averages one point. Her game, And I'll throw this one to both Nathan and Tyler about the second half. Like, Tyler, you kind of mentioned it, how they'll, they usually lose that second half game. And I was watching the game. You're up against Georgia, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, that's this is it. You're, you're in the second half now. It was a good run. Okay, let's just wrap this up. But, Nathan, what did they do differently? What did you see that allowed this team to win against the Georgia Bulldogs?
2: Biggest thing for me was rebounding. You saw a lot more offensive boards coming in. Um you, they out rebounded Georgia 40 to 35 and 18 to 8 on the offensive side. That's that's one of the most important yeah. things you can do in a basketball game. You have to rebound. You have those second chances on the offensive side are key. And you saw that against Georgia. Getting those second chances was um very profitable for them. But just outside of that, just the whole team just stepped up. Everybody was was putting in the work, you could tell. You had multiple double-digit performances like you said Trey Handel had a double-double. Um you just, it was just a big performance from everybody all around.
0: Okay, I wouldn't say they did anything entirely different on the grand scheme of things. They still blew the lead. <laughs> but I will say that K.J. Williams, that there's not enough you can say about that guy, how good he is. And when you needed a bucket, you got it from him. Hannibal was really good that game. I agree with you on the rebounding. I think Sean Phillips being a seven-footer, and he had long arms, he got up there, and he— he just looked like he wanted more yeah. on the court yeah. every time. He looked like he wanted the ball more than anybody else. I don't know if that's because he didn't have a lot of minutes or what, but that really pole vaulted LSU to getting the win there at the end. But it got close, but it still was worth it.
1: Yeah, it was. It was that exciting win where Matt McMahon, after the game, was like, okay, we got to win first. Don't talk to me about March. something crazy happening in March Madness. Don't talk to me about next season. And unfortunately that's not what's happened that was not the end result as the Commodores did defeat LSU on Thursday night 77 to 68 to wrap up this LSU season. Nathan, what did you see differently? That against this game versus Vanderbilt you come in, you win big against Georgia and then all of a sudden you go into Vanderbilt and it's just not the same.
2: I don't I don't know. It was like they it was like they got their win and like they were just satisfied with it. I don't know what happened. I mean, I feel it's I don't know if they If it was a lack of effort or just mismatch or what, I mean, I don't know. My expectations were high. Like Tyler said, I convinced myself we were going it. We're going to make a run. We got this. We can do it. It's doable. And then it all just came crashing down all within the first half. I mean, they just blew us out of the water like that.
3: Yeah, I was kind of disappointed too, because like you said, this is a team we'd already beaten. And I felt like we had a pretty good chance at beating them again. And, you know, March Madness is all about who gets hot at the right time. But I feel like the difference for this game was just the shooting. I mean, we shot 33% from the field, 26% from three, and 72% from the free throw line. And the time that we beat Vanderbilt, we shot 45% from the field, 43% from three, and 78% from the free throw line. So the difference is really just we didn't play good. It's, It's that simple.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, the field The field goal is 33%, like you said, was... I mean, they couldn't get the lid off the basket. Yeah. All in all, I thought really what was going to be their motivator, and I, I just kind of convinced myself in my head, like I said before, Vanderbilt was on the bubble, and you had the bulletin board material right in front of you. You could have spoiled their season, and they could have not gotten the tournament. Yep. So I thought they were going to be motivated for the game, but Vanderbilt wanted it more. They knew what they were playing for. LSU really isn't playing for much, but... They didn't shoot the ball well. The defense really kind of let them down yeah. in most of the game, and Vanderbilt got some really wide open looks. We didn't. We got a lot of turnovers. They just they didn't play great, and it's kind of just what the season was. They didn't play great in a lot of key moments, and it always cost them.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there, and. It seemed that there's just guys, once again, who just can't step up when you need it. I mean, a guy like Adam Miller, I feel like everyone's been begging him just to step up in those big moments, and that was his night. Because you look at K.J. Williams, he had 26 points. I mean, Jaden's laughing at me like, (laughs) your expectations are ridiculous. You got Trey Hannibal, who had 13 points, and then Cam Hayes, who went off for 16. Offensively speaking, if you're not going to play good defense, like Tyler said, you need someone else, a fourth guy to come in there and try to score double digits to try to secure this lead. And again, if you're looking at the statistics, like when I, I'm just looking at them, LSU had less turnovers than Vanderbilt. They, the game was dead. No, exactly. Yes, Tyler just said the game was dead even, and it's true. Like even the three-point shots, LSU 26%, Vanderbilt 27%. Like the field goals is what really hurt them, that they were not able to score in the paint and try yeah. to make something happen. Yeah, and
3: I think a lot of LSU fans, myself included, were expecting Adam Miller to be more present than he is. I mean. You shot 0 for 9, man. You finished the night with two points. And anytime you have a guy that's supposed to be a quote-unquote vital part to your team performing like that, you're not gonna win.
0: No, I mean I'm I'm looking at the stats right now, and it was dead even in so much of the game. Rebounds were 42 to 42. They they had us on most of it. I didn't know Adam Miller went 0 for 9. That. Hurt every he was the shooting guard. Yeah. He's your shooting guard and he went over he was 0 for six from three. And it I mean, I'm not trying to go on a rant or anything, but at the end of the day, you look at the stats and LSU and Vanderbilt were so close in everything. You just couldn't make baskets when it mattered. And he yeah. I mean I d I didn't know he went over nine. That really hurts.
2: <laughs> that is that is bad. That is bad.
0: How much eligibility he got left? What's his deal?
2: <laughs> I, I, his his I don't know, but I he's probably gone after the show. He's gonna yeah. transfer. Okay.
0: I'm just curious. I don't know how much we're returning next year, but that was just my question. I, the stats were dead even. I, they just couldn't make a basket. It was. Yeah. It was. This was a
3: winnable game for them.
0: They had beat them in the regular season. Exactly.
2: They you beat them already. You know you can beat them.
0: KJ had thirty five in that game, so I know that. And he, I think he had a double double. He was, and he doesn't need to score thirty five every game. But when he did, I'm sure LSU at least won ninety percent of those games. Yeah.
1: I think Adam Miller should have three years left because last season when he was about to transfer, he had four years. So I think he has three years now. 2023, played a season. Should have three years of eligibility. But kind of like you had mentioned, I was going to ask, what's next for this team? So you have this season. You win two games in the year of 2023, including this SEC tournament game. Mac McMahon saying that he didn't get to the goal that they wanted. And now you know how the transfer portal works. Players will go in there quite quickly unless Matt McMahon can do a lot of convincing. So, Jaden, we'll start with you. What's next for this team?
3: Um, I think we'll have a lot of players transfer out because I just don't see any scenario that Matt McMahon convinces most of these guys to stay. And, uh, I mean, next year I just want us to have a winning season. I I just want us to finish with a winning record or at least a 500 record, something like that. But... Winning two games in a year, including the SEC tournament, that basically you had to be in.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean that's
3: kind of that's laughable. It's it's embarrassing. Like, laughable is an understatement. I can't even say enough about that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you you obviously you need to see some kind of improvement somewhere. My expectations are not high enough to say 500 season yet, but um, I don't know. Matt McMahon, he's got to hit the transfer portal, get guys in. I mean,
3: we need a miracle.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah miracle, miracle's the right Jayden, word
0: Jaden said it best You're probably going to lose a lot of guys to the transfer portal You're probably going to add a lot of guys from the transfer portal This team's going to have a ton of turnover yeah. But it's what matters right now is They need to just be above 500 it, In basketball, especially college basketball It's a simple goal Make the tournament every year And that's, that is what you essentially Equivalate to job security When you yeah. make the tournament If he can do that No LSU fan would ever complain ever again. It's that simple. So he's going to get a lot in the transfer portal. He's probably going to lose a lot in the transfer portal. You're going to see a lot of new faces next year. Hopefully he'll have a scholarship athlete by the end of this like he didn't last year. So you want to give the guy slack, but sometimes the result is just not great.
1: Yeah. All right. And I would like to have a whole rant on this because the way athletes have been handling themselves this week are quite interesting. And I'm not going to go off on a tangent here, but I will talk about John Morant. Because the truth is, Matt McMahon would not be at LSU had it not been for John Morant. Yeah, and Like, I mean, cool, great coach at Murray State. That's cool he was able to bring guys like K.J. Williams over, but... When he got to get that snack out of the vending machine and saw John ja Morant shooting hoops, I mean, that saved his career. Like That's really the reason why LSU is here, paying him millions of dollars, signing him to seven-year deals, technically eight-year deals, depending on the sanctions.
3: Right.
1: John ja Morant this week uh, is away from the Grizzlies, did some things, I'm sure you all heard of it, uh, posted some pictures on Instagram he probably shouldn't have, some things going around on social media, the news, all that. Now it's like, okay, That shouldn't should that fall on Matt McMahon? No, like that's not technically his fault at all. You know, that's John Morant made the decision. But you're looking at someone. Okay, this is why you're here. Technically, this is why you're coaching at such a high level in college basketball. And even at the press conference last night, he was asked, like, oh, hey, what do you think about John Morant? What happened there? And Matt McMahon just kind of said, I'm here for him. I love him and his family. I mean, that's a difficult question to answer when you just lose a game in the SEC tournament. But now you kind of got to deal with that publicity, even though it shouldn't be on you, but like that's how the media works. Yeah. You also have to deal with the LSU sanctions. And I know I know Tyler's like, you know, I don't understand why. And I get it. Like, even if you're not an LSU fan, this is all legal now, the NIL deals. But at the end of the day, if you're a player coming in and you don't want to sign to LSU when they could possibly not even make a tournament for the next year or two, you just don't know. There's so many things up in the air right now. So you're looking at this team and there are, like people ask me, like, Patricia, oh, is the team going to be better? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think anybody, Matt McMahon included, can say that because you don't know what's going to happen with the sanctions, and now it's like, Matt McMahon, how good of a coach is he really? Okay, can he find five more diamond in the roughs like John Morant? Probably not. So you're going to have to really work in the transfer portal and do a whole lot of convincing to say, hey, we're going to be okay. I know there are sanctions coming, but I can still make sure that you can go to the NBA or you can at least get yeah. a college education here, and maybe we can make a tournament run depending on what happens with – with, again, all the sanctions here at LSU. Yeah. But it seems to be something that you're just going to have to worry about later and see how the season progresses. And first, of course, like you had all mentioned, see who decides to stay and who will be entering the transfer portal and finding a new team.
3: Yeah, I think we could easily be worse next year.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> well, it's, because, so, it's so up yes, in the air. Because that's what I agree with you because uh, – Matt McMahon can't bring anyone over anymore. There's no, like, oh, hey, I'm going to go to LSU. You want to come with me, KJ? Like, there is none of that anymore. It's like you're trying to find kids who are in high school right now. You're trying to find kids in the transfer portal and be like, hey, I can can help your career here when there's really no evidence that you can help anybody's career here at LSU. Before we jump into our next topic, I did want to remind everyone about the fundraiser. I had mentioned it a little bit in the beginning, but our fundraiser here at KLSU runs till March 12th. It's the 40th anniversary here at KLSU. If you love our sports content and our podcasts and our shows, please donate from 2 to 3 on Sunday. This way we can afford some new equipment to live broadcast more baseball games and all sports games, college sports games, of course. It does give us a great experience. Moving on, let's talk about something that I know Nathan had a lot to talk about. I think he's written a whole essay about this topic. <laughs> this happened earlier in the week. The Saints signed Derek Carr to a four year, $150 million uh, deal with $100 million guaranteed. Nathan, since you have your whole essay written out, let's nope. start with you. Is this a win for the Saints or is this was something that they had to do to try to win this season?
2: I wouldn't say something you had to do. Cause I mean, you can always tank. That's what a lot of fans wanted. They wanted us to just tank and give up and get the next, the, the high pick in the draft, whatever. A lot of guys want Caleb Williams, which you can't blame him for that. Caleb Williams is elite quarterback and all. Jaden's over here saying, I want Caleb Williams, which is, is, is fair. <laughs> but I just think it's it's an improvement over Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston, which at the end of the day you cannot complain about. And the biggest thing that Derek Carr brings is stability. That's what this team needed at quarterback. You need stability. You need a guy who you know can like be a starter for a couple years and who's going to, like I said, bring that stability So what he, another thing he brings to the Saints Is the ability to stretch the field He can go deep You see it with Devontae Adams on the Raiders He, he can throw it downfield Andy Dalton can do that With any Dalton you can get check downs every play It's not exciting football, it's not fun yeah. If we're going to be bad, it'll at least be fun with Derek Carr Because <laughs> every play is going to be either a, no, a you're pick, right. It's either going to yeah. be a pig downfield Or it's going to be a Hail Mary touchdown We'll see so, I mean, he, he's easily the best quarterback in the division now. Falcons have uh, Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter. Bucks have, like, Kyle, Kyle Trask, Trask, I think, is their starter.
0: So. And the Panthers are probably going to draft one, maybe, yeah. or not Sam Darnold. So, yeah, yeah he's definitely it's, the best quarterback in the division. Yeah.
2: We're, we're betting favors to win the division now. What, yeah. like, and obviously, it's the ver- worst division in football. Sure, whatever. But winning the division is winning the division. Yeah. Once you, know you know what happens? We you get, get a home playoffs. game. You get a home game, too. You get a home game. You're playing at home.
0: So, um, exactly,
2: mean, you make it to January, anything can happen any given exactly. Sunday, man. Like, that's why they say it exactly. So, I mean, I don't a lot of people are jumping on Mickey Loomis for this signing. I don't think that's fair. I think I for me, it's props to Mickey for knowing who his guy is, going out and getting him, being aggressive. We'll just have to see how it pans out. I mean, and it feels like to me, the other side of it is it feels like we're pushing off the inevitable. We're going to have to be bad eventually. And Mickey's yeah. been pushing that off and pushing off ever since Breeze retired. And because he thinks this roster is in win now mode. Whether you agree with that or not is it's up to you. I'm, I'm, I, I flip between it every other day. But I just, I don't know. I think it's a good move. Props to Mickey for going out and getting his guy. Yeah. Uh, I
3: pretty much agree with what you said. Uh, the only thing is, I just feel like with the amount of money he got, it just, it just seems kind of desperate. Because I was thinking if,
2: I like if somebody contract. didn't
3: follow football and you saw this guy got 150 million, you would think, oh, this must be like a top five quarterback or something like that. No, it's, it's Derek Carr. But, uh, I mean, again, <laughs> it's, a uh, it's an upgrade from Andy Dalton, which is what we needed. And, um, I really like Chris Olave and hope he can help Chris Olave take that next step, you know, become a deep threat receiver, maybe turn him into a potential top five, top 10 receiver. I mean, who knows? But, um, I mean, yeah, I'm excited for it. You know, it's, it's better than what we had And you know And it gives us more variety You know In the offense
0: Okay So I have a question for you What Where do you think he ranks As a quarterback
3: Like in the league No in the league Derek Carr Um
0: He's better than Andy Dalton We know that for he, sure He's
3: better than Andy Dalton I'm gonna say Between 18 and 1 <laughs> Okay Yeah that's fine <laughs> it's Yeah that's fine
0: okay. Um He's I, top 15 for i, me. I Yeah, I think he's probably a top fifteen quarterback. I think he's he's not the answer, and you know, I personally was one of the people who thought that the Saints needed to be in rebuild mode. Yeah, got a lot of older players, and you never want to hear that as a Saints fan, and I didn't want to hear it either. But at the end of the day, Cam Jordan's getting older. The salary cap's a mess; it always is. They always manage to figure it out. Derek Carr's not a long term solution. Drafting a quarterback, he makes your floor lower. You know, we'll make the playoffs. That's great. Can he win a Super Bowl?
2: Probably not. But Probably
0: not. So you go draft a quarterback, you don't know, maybe. If he if he pans out, I mean, Patrick Mahomes wasn't the first pick. People like that. You, you get Super Bowl winning quarterbacks out of the draft. And I think they made a mistake here. I don't really mind the contract. I thought it was okay, but... At the end of the day, the Saints had what, three wins? I don't even remember. Three wins? No. No. We like wins. we had like eight or we had nine. Eight or nine. I Did think we? We, we could have had yes, we way not more good. than three I, wins. I don't, remember, man. Much, I don't remember much about the Saints season this year. But at the end of the day, I think the Saints will definitely win their division, but they're just not a Super Bowl winning team. That's just gonna be It might a, have been seven. It
2: might have been
1: seven. That's
0: wins. the toughest part about it, the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I mean. This is saying 10 and 13, but I might be wrong on there. No. Oh wait, that's the
3: playoff yeah. right here. We were 7, and 10. Seven, seven and 10. 7 and 10.
1: I was like, wait, that was 7, seven and 10, 10.
2: yeah. That's like, no. that's, that's, it. could be worse, yeah. We were tied
3: for second in the division.
2: With that Eagles, with that trade we did with the Eagles, mm-hmm. er, we we would have had the, the 28th pick in the first round this year. That's where we're sitting at. We weren't going to get right. anybody with that.
1: Our, Jonah wants to say something about the Saints, so go ahead, <laughs> Jonah. <laughs> All
4: right. Yeah I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm the producer of so Second Censor Myself on this next part. Is this gonna get Michael Thomas off his ass?
2: <laughs> I think so. And we're we have got I've got stuff on that too. So don't we're you even ask. worry. Okay. Don't you even worry. Okay. Yeah, so Michael Thomas is coming back. And I don't know about getting off his behind, or whatever. I mean, I'm personally am ecstatic that he's coming back. I'm a big Michael Thomas guy, have been since we since we so got him. Yeah, yeah, I mean Obviously, the injury stuff is—it's—it's it's bad. It's not good. It's a pain in the, out of the behind seeing <laughs> seeing a guy get hurt three years in a row and missing it in three entire seasons. I mean, has he even been
4: hurt three years in a row? Like, yeah, yeah, it's got to be something. He has, and I, he's, I, I think it's mentality. I think it's mentality. I don't
2: know. He's—he's like tweets and all this kind of stuff about medical staff and all. It's all this cryptic stuff. I mean, we don't know. There's no way for anybody outside of the Saints yeah. Saints uh, staff to know that.
4: I will say though, you know, you were talking about the, the alternative to having, you know, signing a quarterback like Derek Carr, is tanking for a season. And even us Texans messed that up. So yeah, when was like, outside
2: <laughs> of the Bengals? When was the last time you've seen a team tank and like effectively? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Silence. Exactly. Nobody tanks and then is is the yeah, like, Broncos kind of Broncos
4: kind of do that like once every four years.
2: Uh, yeah, eight years maybe. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, they're still tanking. They've signed Russell Wilson and they're still tanking.
4: The Broncos country, let's ride. Huh? Yeah,
2: whatever, man.
1: The Broncos will be for another day cuz they have a great team and they still can't figure it yeah. out. And they've been trying to figure it out ever well, since Well, now they've Payton
2: got Manhattan Sean type. freaking Payton up there, but yeah.
1: they Oh yeah, they, you're right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. And this is, like, just a year ago we were talking about Sean Payton retiring and everything. Hurts my heart. Crazy stuff. But, no, I don't know. I'm kind of eerie about this Derek Carr signing. I understand why you did it because even I was looking at some Instagram comments and it was some Jets fan saying, I am scared right now that – this Jets fan thought they were going to get Ryan Tannehill, but I'm pretty sure he's already <laughs> secured. And he was like, this is who we're going to have to live with, Ryan Tannehill, and we're not going to have another quarterback because they signed Derek Carr and Jimmy G is going to go somewhere else and we're not um. going to get Lamar. So I feel like the Saints did this because they're like, we need somebody. Yeah. We need some sort of security. Having an experienced quarterback is not a horrible thing. I can go on a rant on how I think the Raiders disrespected Derek Carr. Oh, for I sure. mean, to say that he was the whole problem in that organization – Ridiculous. When John Gruden gets fired the way he did, when Henry Ruggs and I mean like it wasn't just like oh a Henry Ruggs incident and a John Gruden emails resurface. It was like three other players who get arrested and all the first round draft picks for the last like ten years aren't even on the team anymore.
2: Right. Dennis Allen drafted Derek Carr, I believe, in twenty fourteen. So there's a reunion there. I mean, it makes sense. It's a it's a fit signing. I mean, Patricia. I don't know that it's a it's a last ditch attempt to just rush and get a quarterback. They've been after Derek Carr. Yeah, like all offseason. They never
0: sold anything. They always were up front with him, and they I saw that in an article today. So they always wanted Derek Carr. And they never really tried to get anybody else. He's been Mickey Loomis' guy since day one. Derek Carr, I think, had three different head coaches throughout his tenure. Yeah, as as a, the Raiders' quarterback, and at the end of the day, that's. In the NFL, it's really hard. you got to keep your people together. And you see with winning dynasties, they keep their people together. So it's really tough for them to do that. If he can get some stability, I think they can be really good. I don't know if they can win a Super Bowl. And it's really just – that's obviously the goal at the end of the day. And
2: stability has been Mickey Lewis' biggest thing in New Orleans with with promoting guys like Dennis Allen, in-house hires. Trying to keep the culture together. That's what they said they were going to do.
0: Exactly. I think – This is also a really good litmus test of how much do you trust Dennis Allen? Because if this whole experiment fails, you're going to blow it up. It's over. The Saints will be full rebuild at that point. So I think Derek Carr is the perfect way to assess Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael as play callers and see how good this team can really be and how much you really trust him.
1: I like Derek Carr, but once again, I think the, the money was just a lot. Because for me, at least, you're looking at a guy, you're signing him $100 million guaranteed. For four years, he's going to be 35. And there's this common misconception in the league that everyone can play as long as Tom Brady and everyone can play as long as maybe Ben Roethlisberger did. And that's just not true. Like That just doesn't happen. It doesn't work yeah, like that. It's not normal. And I don't know. I But then again, I was the same person that said Matthew Stafford will never win a Super Bowl with the Rams and that I really ate my words just a few years <laughs> later. So sometimes I'm not the best at these types of predictions. But I like to say that it's something that you're just going to have to wait and see. But I do think it's a good signing for the Saints. They get a guy. They get a guy that's experienced. And you have a lot of talent. Like Jonah, our producer, said, if Michael Thomas – can get on the field and play and can be healthy, that's very helpful. He seemed excited after that Derek Carr signing. He said, thank you, Jesus, on Twitter with the prayer hands and everything. So, like, okay, that's cool, Michael Thomas, but now you have to play, right? Yeah,
3: because even, like, with the glimpses that we get of Michael Thomas, he still looks like Mm -hmm. a really, really, really good receiver. So So he just has to be on the field.
2: Derek Carr's brother, I don't know if you saw this, he said that Michael Thomas and, and Tyron Matthew were the main two guys recruiting Derek Carr, like telling him, please come down here and oh, play wow. with us. It was Michael Thomas and Tyron Matthew. This is who Michael Thomas wants. He's going to want to play for him. He's going to fight through it. Like, you, do you blame him for not wanting to play for Andy Dalton? Oh, no. <laughs> like, not at all. I, I mean, like at that point, <laughs> I'd rather just sit on my behind and no, make he, millions and, and just heal no, up too. The guy, but I yeah. mean, he,
0: he wasn't good and the Saints were bad. Yeah, objectively, they were bad. They didn't have a winning record. So. Exactly.
2: Hopefully, this will be Michael Thomas' return. About the contract, I don't have a big issue with the contract. I kind of like it. I don't think it's as, it's. Uh, people are making a big deal. I think people are making too big of a deal out of it. With the way it breaks down. So I was reading up on this. It's it, let's say Carr's god awful after his first year, right? And we we don't want him anymore. We want to get rid of him. You can you can get rid of him and pay him sixty million bucks, and it was gone. Mm-hmm. He, that's it. After two, we'll have paid him seventy million. And then after twenty twenty five, he'll have earned a hundred million. And we have we can basically do whatever we want with him at that point. Cause the fifty million that's uh that's for twenty twenty six season is not guaranteed. So you can cut him, extend him for a lesser cap hit, whatever. Mickey Loomis I don't know when people are gonna learn. Mickey Loomis is a contract god. When it comes to <laughs> like like Cap and just all the Like numbers are not real In Mickey Loomis world They're just not
1: Well apparently The salary cap Isn't real either In the NFL Tyler you can talk about that Because that was like Tyler's big thing last year Like the salary cap Doesn't exist It's not real No you
2: can push it off As as much as
0: you want And one other thing Saints fans understand The salary cap Better than any other Fans (laughs) ever Because they're just, they look at the numbers and say, oh, they're probably just going to give so-and-so a signing bonus and that'll cover his contract and then they're going to reduce him. Like, they're probably going to end up, I think they're restructuring Michael Thomas' contract. They're just going to give him a $35 million bonus and then sign him to like the veteran minimum. I'm telling you, Saints fans know the salary cap so well because they just, I don't even, they just beat the system
2: so much. And it's insane how they'd manage it. You've got Nick, I don't know if y'all saw Nick Wright on on mm-hmm. ESPN claiming that the Saints are running some kind of salary cap oh, Ponzi yeah. scheme. He was on
0: Fox Sports yeah. 1, and he okay, was Fox saying
2: Sports. that uh,
0: this, they're going to have to implement a rule because the Saints are beating the system <laughs> so much. And he was mad, slammed yeah. on the table mad about this. <laughs> and it was so funny because he's all angry about how the Saints are doing it, and no other team has ever been able to figure it out. And... I don't understand it, but if they can make it work every year yeah. and they can keep us relevant,
2: I'm always going to be happy. I've, I've been hearing for the past, like, it's got to be like five or six years now, how, oh, the, the Saints are in cap hell. They're, they're not going to make it out. They're screwed. The, the team is done for, yada, yada, yada. And here we are. We just signed Derek Carr for $150 bucks We signed Tyron Matthew and Jarvis Landry last year. We're fine. We don't care about money. It's not real.
1: You make a good point because I was watching Good Morning Football that day before Derek Carr got signed, and they said, look, I really want Derek Carr to go to the Saints. I don't know how they're going to make it work with the salary cap, and then two it hours later. It doesn't matter like, how we make it work. Mickey <laughs> Loomis will make like, it work. Here's $150 just, million dollars guaranteed, I'm Derek. just so
2: tired of people telling Saints fans, like, oh, it's, you're, you're, like, you're screwed, you're, you're in cap hell, yeah. season's over, you're never going to be good again. Like, you've been telling me that for five years now. What now?
1: Well, it seems quite promising for this team. Like you all had said, they could be one of the best in their division. And there's a lot of expectations going to this team with a veteran quarterback who has the possibility to work well with guys like Chris Olave and Michael Thomas. That is all we have for you today. One last reminder about our fundraiser. If you liked hanging here with us, listening to our podcast today, Nathan and Jaden will be joining me once again on Sunday, so be sure to check it out. We'll have a special guest on that show as well. And please, if you can, donate from 2 to 3 p.m. on Sunday. Of course, we'd like some bragging rights too because that just makes it a little bit better here at the station. Tyler, thank you so much for joining me today. He gives us a thumbs up. Jonah, (laughs) loved your commentary there. We'd like to thank Jonah for all his work that he does editing our clips together and making it sound as pretty as it does Jaden Smith Nathan Messina thank you for joining me today I am Patricia Caputo and this has been The Hodges Huddle